0: Wednesday September 9th 2020 and I've been trying to record for the past few days but I just really haven't been into it so we're about six months in on this uh, coronavirus madness and schools have uh, just opened in the northeast down south I believe that they've been open for a few weeks and uh, well These reopenings of schools will probably lead to the dreaded and feared second wave. It will give us an excuse, or give them an excuse to lock us down again. I'm going to read an article today uh, via Viable Opposition blog. Uh, You can find it at viableopposition.blogspot.com. The title of this message is, The Effectiveness of Temperature Screenings to Control the Spread of COVID-19. Airports and border entry points around the world are using non-contact body temperature scanning devices to ensure that people with COVID-19-related symptoms are detected. Unfortunately, recent research would suggest that this effort is futile. In a a commentary in the September-October 2020 Travel Medicine and Infectious Disease by Michael Bialecki, entitled Body Temperature Screening to Identify SARS-CoV-2, infected young adult travelers is ineffective. The authors look at the efficacy of body temperature screening among young adults. This is particularly key to controlling the spread of the novel coronavirus since young adults, who are considered by many to be highly contagious when infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and are also the most likely population segment to travel and encounter body temperature screenings. Past studies undertaken during the Ebola and H1N1 influenza outbreaks showed that the number of cases detected by screening for for body temperature is minimal or non-existent, and that SARS-CoV-2 screening procedures in Canada, Singapore, and Australia seem to have detected zero cases overall. Simulations performed modeling COVID-19 suggest that only 44% of cases could be detected during screenings using today's body temperature measurements. In the study, the authors evaluated the body temperatures of 84 COVID-19 positive patients twice daily for 14 days after a positive PCR test. These patients had a median age of 21 and were male recruits in the military basic training of the Swiss Armed Forces. If you're a military recruit, you're basically signing up to be a guinea pig. I don't know what goes on in, in Sweden Uh, But I'm pretty sure that the operation is the same. Here in the States, if you are signed up as a military member or considered to sign up or considering to do so, you're basically signing away the rights to your life and your, your body. And what's it all worth? At the end of the day, you're fighting wars for bankers and corrupt, corrupt elite rulers under the guise of fighting for freedom. I remember growing up thinking that the military were heroes, and you know what? Some of them still are, because I believe that their heart is in the right place, and they've witnessed things and and have had to do things. Not all of them were killers. Some have peaceful operations, let's just say, but I think a majority of very young people who sign up do so under very noble pretenses. They don't know any better. And it's usually the poor and the socioeconomically disadvantaged who sign up for these programs because they think that they're going to get something out of it, which is an education. Uh, so going back to this article, I just uh, jumped off a little bit because, you know, obviously the Swedish soldiers were the first to partake in this study. They had a median age of 20, 21. And we're male recruits. And, and, and it's the same thing with the vaccines as well. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of military members come down with all these syndromes and have all these issues and PTSD. A lot of these issues, such as PTSD and trauma, are exacerbated by other systems in the body failing. One of the solutions that I found for my own personal. Journey against the scars that my traumatic experience have left on my mind was actually getting my body back into balance. It was actually getting my nutrition back into balance. It was actually just giving my body the capacity to heal and do what it was meant to do and function normally. And unfortunately, there are lots of things in this world that completely thwart that process and we just automatically assume that they're safe for us to ingest or to inject. And I'll leave it at that. So a lot of these soldiers, you know, they have the odds stacked up against them the minute they sign on the dotted line. All right, so for reference's sake, a normal human body temperature is generally 37 degrees Celsius, which is 98.5 degrees Fahrenheit, but can range from 36.1 degrees Celsius to 37.2 degrees Celsius. I think in the Fahrenheit scale... Like ninety seven point five ish to ninety eight point nine or maybe even ninety nine would be considered, you know, quote unquote normal. Um the study showed the following. Using a traditional fever cutoff temperature of thirty eight degrees Celsius, only eighteen percent of COVID nineteen cases were detected. Number two. Using a higher fever cutoff temperature of 38.5 degrees Celsius, only 8% of COVID-19 cases were detected. Number three, using a lower fever cutoff temperature of 37.1 degrees Celsius, 63% of COVID-19 cases were detected. Because I work in Fahrenheit, I want to convert that uh, because here in the States, we've been using standard units of measurement forever and they have yet to switch us over so as far as celsius is concerned i can't do that automatically in my mind so we're going to do a conversion so it's a little bit clearer to me conversion temperature so let's do a conversion and see oh my search is Giving me an error. Let's see. I don't. I don't even know if I could even do a search. No. God damn you. Let's do here. Celsius version. Ah, it's going right back to start page. All right. I guess I'll have to skip that for now. So they're saying using a very low fever cutoff temperature is likely to result in many false positives. Particularly if women are included. Oh, yeah. The subject's temperatures are taken in a warmer climate or there are other respiratory infections present. Yeah, so women's temperature, because of our hormones, will fluctuate. So I guess if you catch us at the wrong time of the month, we may actually be picked up as a false positive. Because when women ovulate, their temperatures increase, I believe, right before they ovulate. Um, so they're saying... That the false positives could result if women are included, the subject's temperatures are taken in a warm and cl- warmer climate, or there are other respiratory infections present, common cold, which cause elevated body temperatures. In addition, by taking aspirin, acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, or ibuprofen, which is Motrin, uh, a person with a fever, can significantly reduce their symptoms and negate the risk of being detected as potentially SARS-CoV-2 positive. Exactly. The authors of the study also noted that within five days after presenting with the fever, the subject's fever had completely disappeared even though SARS-CoV-2 infectivity remains within the 10 to 14 days after infection. Here is the conclusion of the study. We reinforce the WHO's recommendation that widespread testing for SARS-CoV-2 is currently the only available efficient way to monitor the trajectory of the infection and control the spread. Screening temperature at borders is a strategy that has been pursued in the past and has proved to be both expensive and ineffective. We advocate the evaluation of normal non-invasive, non-invasive screening approaches, such as saliva testing samples for SARS-CoV-2 with rapid follow-up on positives. This may prove, prove to be a fast and more effective sensitive alternative to body temperature screening at borders let's close with this quote from the united states food and drug administration regarding the use of non-contact temperature assessment during the current current pandemic so the fda has something to say about this quote As states and communities implement reopening plans during the COVID-19 pandemic, non-contact temperature assessment devices may be used as part of an initial check at entry points to identify and triage people who may have elevated temperatures. Be aware that even when the devices are used properly, temperature assessment may have limited impact on reducing the spread of COVID-19 infections. You fucking think? Some studies suggest that temperature measurements alone may miss more than half of infected people. Good. Thermal imaging systems in non-contact infrared thermometers, which are non-contact temperature assessment devices, may be used to measure a person's temperature. An elevated temperature is one way to identify a person who may have COVID-19 infection, although an infection, infected person may be contagious without an elevated temperature or other easily detectable sy- symptoms. In addition, the FDA notes the following. Non-contact temperature assessment devices are not effective if used as the only means of detected COVID-19 infection. Available scientific literature has identified that effectiveness can be limited by several factors, including infections without fever, use of fever-reducing drugs, other infections or conditions that may cause elevated temperatures, devices failing to identify elevated temperatures, or misreading normal temperatures as elevated. Failure to follow up the manufacturer's instructions for use, such as for setup operation and training. Despite the clear evidence showing that the body temperature scanning is a terribly ineffective means of screening for the COVID SARS COVID two virus. Governments and corporations around the world insist on using this methods this method as a means of making it appear that they are performing an essential and protective service for the citizens. Yeah, there are a lot of places, uh, their citizens quote unquote employees. So there are a lot of places that are basically, at least for me, I, I haven't had to go into any of these buildings. Uh, you know, they're taking their, your temperature screening at the door, and um, it's not effective. It's all for show. It's all part of the theater, the fear. It makes complete sense. Hey, you know, if I have to go to a building where they're going to take my temperature, first off, I probably wouldn't let them do it. Second of all, I would, you know, likely avoid the location of building to begin with. I feel it's invasive. It's nobody's business what my temperature is. If I'm ovulated or not ovulating, if I'm having a fucking hot flash or not having a hot flash, maybe I'm just in a bad mood or I drop too much fucking acid. It's not their business what my temperature may be. Um, and it doesn't have really any indication as to whether or not I may be infectious. So it's all theater. It's all a ruse. Um, it's really kind of shameful, and I'm going to skip over to the next blog post really quick. I'm at 12 minutes, so I think I can I can buzz through this next one really quickly. This one was dated Friday, September 4th, 2020. The Federal Reserve, solving the COVID-19 conundrum. Thanks to the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, Minneapolis President and Chief Executive Officer Neil Kashkari, we now have a roadmap from the world's most influ- influential central bank for the next stage of the pandemic. Let's open by looking at Neil Ka- Ka- Kashkari's resume from his webpage on the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis website. And it's a pretty extensive website. Um, Let's see. I'm just going to go through it really quick. He took office as president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis on January 1st, 2016. So it's like four years ago, a little over four years ago. Um, he serves on the Federal Open Market Committee, bringing the Ninth District's perspective to monetary policy discussions in Washington, D.C. He leads the bank's many initiatives. Um, among them, he was instrumental in establishing the Opportunity and inclusive growth institute. I'm sorry, I'm so loud, but I'm getting like really close to read this shit. It's so small. Okay, opportunity inclusive Glo- growth institute, whose mission is to ensure that world class world class research helps to improve the economic well being of all Americans. This guy's full of shit. Most recently, he has joined with retired Minnesota Supreme Court justice alan page to propose amending minnesota's constitution to make a quality public education a fundamental right yeah quality public education while these kids are like individually individually sequestered at their desks with like these plexiglass contraptions around their desk uh three-sided contraptions that are, are are meant to slow the spread of fucking covid it's just it's insane it's absolutely insane. Um, okay, so most recently he joined and make quality public education a fundamental right. This effort supports the Fed's mandate to achieve maximum employment. Huh. The education, with education being a key to obtaining a good job. Okay. Under Kashkari's leadership, the Minneapolis Fed also released an action plan on ending too big to fail which calls for tighter bank regulations to avoid future taxpayer bailouts of large financial institutions, which is going on exactly right now. These guys are so full of shit. Committed to increasing transparency at the Fed, Kashkari has published in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Financial Times, and is active on Twitter and Instagram. He also serves on the board of the Economic Club of Minnesota and is a member of the Aspen Economic Strategy Group. Kashkari began his career as an aerospace engineer, okay, in, in California, blah, 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 several senior positions the U.S. Department of Treasury, you know, uh, whatever. Okay, so getting back to the article, it says you will notice that he has absolutely no formal training or work experience in virology, vaccinology, or any other medical field that may provide the background knowledge for his forthcoming recommendations. In fact, like many influential people in the United States, his background includes a stint at one of Wall Street's most reviled and influential companies, Goldman Sachs. Kashkari's commentary opens with this statement. In just weeks, we could almost stop the viral fire that has swept across the country over the past six months and continues to rage out of control. Fucking dramatic bullshit. It will require sacrifice, but save many thousands of lives. These fucking people lay it on thick. So what is the solution? Here is another quote from his commentary. Quote, we believe the choice is clear. We can continue to allow the coronavirus to spread rapidly throughout the country, or we could commit to a more restrictive lockdown state by state for up to six weeks to crush the spread of the virus to less than one new case per 1,000 people per day. That's fucking Ludicrous let me take a picture of this guy I, i'm I'm just gonna visualize punching you right in your fucking throat neil kashkari and and the way you spell your name n e l e it, l it's it's just absolutely ridiculous that's not how you spell neil you shitbag what a fucked looking face you have I'd love to just punch you that's the point at which we are will be able to limit the increase in new cases through aggressive public health measures just as other countries have done. <sighs> Yeah, Sweden's doing so well. (laughs) They didn't require masks. They didn't lock down. Yeah, but we're a long way from there right now. Who is this motherfucker? The imperative for this is clear. Because as a nation, what we have done so far hasn't worked. Some 160,000 people have died, which is, this is my interlude, 0.0005% of the population, I believe. Divide 160,000 by 330 million. And that's, that's the percentage of the population that have, have been devastated by this virus. We haven't even hit the millions. Meanwhile, 700,000 people die. I believe it's from an infectious uh, uh, antibiotic-resistant infection organism, or is it, is it medical errors? It's, between the two, it's at least a million and a half a year. Between medical, rec- medical errors... And resistant infections. We're not talking about COVID here. COVID, COVID's a drop in the bucket compared to this shit. COVID is a drop in the bucket compared to cancer deaths. COVID is a drop in the bucket compared to heart diseases and all of these other t- tuberculosis. All of these other serious infections and diseases that literally kill millions of people a year. But somehow this 160,000, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to the 160,000 that died, okay? I'm really not. But let me tell you something. People die every fucking day. And you can do whatever you think you want to do. You want to stay in your house. You want to wear gloves. You want to wear a face shield. You want to wear goggles. You want to make sure everybody else wears a mask to make you feel safe. No. No. Fuck you. It doesn't work that way. Each of us has a number each of us has a day a date with destiny a date with the grim reaper and you better realize it and you better wake the fuck up because it's not my responsibility to prevent you from having your day your day is destined my day is destined and me wearing a mask not wearing a mask farting in your way not farting in your way walking down the wrong aisle in the supermarket has absolutely nothing to do with that shit but these psychopaths these silly dumb mindless little sheep really think That they could cheat death. And this is how deluded our society has become. That really people think that they could fucking beat death. If this virus is meant to kill you, guess what? It will. So all of these insane measures that these psychopaths are talking about, this has absolutely nothing to do with your protection. The government doesn't give two fucks about your protection or your health. Otherwise, there would be a lot of shit that would be illegal, that are perfectly legal in this day and age, that are a direct threat to your health. Whether it be pharmaceutical drugs or, or legal drugs, it, do, it, it doesn't matter. Your vices, your alcohol, your cigarettes, all of these wonderful things that we freely have the choice to consume, even though it kills us. We should freely have the choice to go about our business and work and live our lives even if it kills us. That's our fucking choice. And it should remain so. But let me not get too off this article because I just get so pissed off. So what does Kashkari believe is the root of the current virus containment problem? Quote, Why did the United States COVID-19 containment response fail? Particularly compared with the successful results of so many nations in Asia, Europe, and even our neighbor Canada. How did it fail? Simply, we gave up our lockdown efforts to control virus transmission well before the virus under control. Get the fuck out of here. Many other countries didn't let up until the number of cases was greatly reduced, even in places that had extensive outbreaks. Yeah, that's why they're out partying in Wuhan, right? Get the fuck out of here. Once the number of new cases in those areas was driven to less than 1 per 1,000 people per day as a result of the lockdowns, limiting the increase of new cases was possible with a combination of testing, contact tracing, case isolation, and excessive, extensive monitoring monitoring a positive test get the fuck out of here what does kashkari see for the future in the next six months and the next six months could make what we have experienced so far seem like just a warm-up to a greater catastrophe look at this motherfucker a warm-up to a greater catastrophe with many schools and colleges starting Mm-hmm. And, and they're gonna blame the second wave on this. Stores and businesses reopening, and in the beginning of the indoor heating season, new cases, num- new case numbers will grow quickly. So what is Kashkari's solution? Now this is this is this is a Fed, this is a fucking banker, who's saying this? "Quote: We support the wearing of masks by all Americans, but masking mandates and soft limitations on indoor crowds in places such as bars and restaurants are not enough to control this pandemic." to successfully drive down our case rate to less than 1 per 1,000 per day, 100,000 per day we should mandate sheltering in place for everybody but the truly essential workers, by that we mean people must stay at home and leave only for essential reasons food shopping and visits, to doctor- this, is, this is fucking infuriating me while I read this Kashkari I just sent you a prayer motherfucker and I hope it lands on you. As I quoted at the beginning of this po- posting, Kashkari believes that United States needs a lockdown for up to six weeks. But as we seem during the pandemic, measures that are supported by, used, uh, supported to be temporary have turned out to be far longer in duration than was anticipated when they were undertaken. He goes on that without these measures, millions of additional cases with many more deaths are likely before a vaccine might be available. I'm so tired. This will will mean that the economic recovery will be much slower with far more business failures and high unemployment for the next one to two years. Kashkari goes on to note why his lockdown recommendation will work. Unlike prior recessions, remarkably, the personal savings rate has soared to 20% from around 8% in January. Because we are saving more, we have the resources to support those who have been laid off. Typically, when the government runs deficits, it must rely on foreign investors to buy the debt because Americans aren't generating enough savings to fund it. But we can finance the added deficits for COVID-19 relief from our own domestic savings. So they're going to pay for this economic devastation by tapping into your savings account. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that nice? And I say your savings, not mine. (sighs) Those savings end up funding investment in the economy. That's why traditional concerns about racking up too much government debt does not apply to the situation. It is much safer for the country for a country to fund its deficits domestically than from abroad. Ah, uh, we're gonna bail our country out again. All right. So he goes over some charts regarding the nominal personal savings, and the reason why savings went up is because people got that extra six hundred dollars a week and unemployment benefits that's what the fuck are these people gonna do with all that they don't know what to do so that's why you had all these robin hood traders and all other bullshit um so he he puts out a couple of uh, charts that the personal savings rate and personal savings in nominal terms have peaked and they're already falling certainly as a percentage of disposable income the savings rate has risen to a record levels Unfortunately for businesses, this means that Americans are spending less largely because many businesses were shuttered. As a response to the pandemic, which had a ripple effect through the entire economy, consumers were not spending money, consuming goods and services for a multitude of reasons. Fear of unemployment, actual unemployment, the closure of retail businesses, among others. And in our consumer-driven economy, this has had a massive negative impact on real GDP as shown here. None of these metrics would suggest a healthy economy, nor would they in any way suggest that Washington should continue to expand its deficit spending habits ad infinitum. Let's summarize. While Neil Kashkari has suggested that a hard economy-wide shutdown for six weeks is the only solution to the pandemic until a vaccine has been developed simply because we can afford it thanks to massive increase in savings, I would suggest that tens of millions of americans living paycheck to paycheck who will find themselves suffering yet again because they are not deemed essential workers may have something less polite to say about his plan to battle the SARS-CoV-2 virus this includes 32 percent of americans who missed a housing or rent payment in july 2020 that kashkari conveniently conveniently has forgotten as shown here and he shows another chart these motherfuckers don't care these motherfuckers don't care these bankers don't give two shits uh, about the rest of the economy. They're they're trying to get people on their knees, on their knees and begging so they could turn around and come with wherever they want to do, a universal basic income, a digital currency, whatever the fuck they want to do. They're trying to use these ridiculous numbers to justify another lockdown. And it's the stupid population of this country that goes along with this bullshit. Because they can't do math. They can't fucking understand basic biology. They have no critical thinking skills whatsoever. And you know what? I wish death. I wish death and pure destruction to every one of the players in this fucking game who are pushing forward with this agenda and are causing millions and millions and millions of people to suffer. And if I don't catch you in this lifetime, I will fucking catch you in the next. (laughs)